Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off, in-depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Dean Minto, Senior Petroleum Geophysicist at IHRDC and Dynamic Educator. Dean and I discuss what's exciting about being a geophysicist, the career options available, the problems geophysicists solve, Dean's wide-ranging career, and much more. If you like adventure and solving complex problems or need help explaining your work to friends and family, this episode is for you. Dean is the Senior Petroleum Geophysicist at IHRDC, where he creates, manages, and updates geophysical collateral for IHRDC's IPIMS online courses. He worked at Halliburton Landmark for 18 years prior to joining IHRDC. He also has worked for Lockheed Martin and Amico Production Company. He holds a bachelor's degree in physics and an MS in geology with an emphasis on geophysics. I'm excited to welcome Dean to the podcast next. So Dean, imagine you are in a room with 20 high school students. They are a little restless just finishing up lunch. You need to get their attention because you're about to talk about being a geophysicist. What do you do? Okay, Andrew. Hmm. I've actually kind of done this before. I, I mentor a lot with the high schools and some college folks. There's a time when the kids come visit over at the Landmark building in, in Houston, and I would usually typically get them um, after lunch. And yes, they are kind of a bit feisty. We were up on the 20th floor of the old Landmark building off of Beltway and Briar Forest in Houston, looking east um, toward the gallery at the old Williams Tower. That's, you can see that in the distance. I gather everyone at the window looking over, overlooking the city like a Pied Piper, and I, and I proposed a scenario of what we do in the oil and gas business. I said, the building that you see over there is about six miles away, and what we do here is we can drill a well and target the 10th floor of the Williams Tower about the size of a large dinner plate, like through 5,000 feet of water and five miles of rock, blind with your hands tied behind your back. How would you like to learn how to do that and make uh, really good money at the same time. Well, you get their attention for the rest of the hour and the kids love that each time. So that's kind of typically what I do. When, when you are in these rooms with these students, are most of them hearing about geophysics for the very first time? Not necessarily for the first time. They know that we deal with rocks, right? Geologists, you know, deal with rocks, but geophysicists, there's a little bit, a, a different cut, a different breed. And um, they, they know that we deal with rocks, but the science behind the rocks, you know, the velocity, the impedance, it's not just here's a rock, you know, it's made up of sand grains. Well, there's a lot of things that geophysicists look at when we take a look at rocks or seismic. But to a degree, it's not maybe not necessarily the first time, but it's a it's a primer, right? It, they, it, they've heard the word geophysicist before, but now they, they really like to know what we do. And then we tell them. And then they get real excited, really excited about it. What subjects, hobbies, or other interests might students have that they could leverage and be a good fit to pursue something like geophysics? Hmm. Okay. Um, it would be good to like being outdoors, um, especially geologists or a field acquisition guy. You really got to get outdoors sometimes. That's what I did quite a bit. Also, um, you, you have to like to research problems and find solutions, all right? Um, you need to have a more of a technical aptitude and you need to be a team player, um, like in organized sports, but also have some solo or independent skills and independent thinking. For instance, if you like to play chess, that 
involves cognitive thinking and thinking about problems and finding answers. Also, if you're into scouting, uh, like my son and I are, they teach you uh, the edge method uh, to help and show people your ideas when you present your your um, concepts and teach them. Edge means uh, explain, uh, demonstrate, guide, and enable. So when you give presentations, that's kind of what you do. You like to explain and demonstrate why your theory um, should work, and then you try to guide and enable them toward to make a decision. So that's kind of what I picked up. You know, when, when I think of presenting to high school students, I always kind of think of a show and tell and you, you were talking about demonstrating there. Is there some, something you're able to demonstrate about geophysics in a classroom for these students? Yeah. A lot of times I'll, I'll bring in my laptop and I'll have um, a number of videos that show how we do certain things, um, that show how we interpret a seismic section and actually um, show the model of what those rocks represent. And you make that correlation between uh, the seismic and then the model of the rock type. And that's the demonstration of, of what we do on a seismic section and how it correlates to the, uh, the underground rock formations. So that's the connection and distinction um, that I like to share with these kids. And, and they look at seismic and I tell them it's like an x-ray, right? When you go to the doctor, they, they make an x-ray. Well, we use sound waves to make images of the ground. And I use that corollary. And it's like, you know, here's on the x-ray, you can see where the bones are. And here on the seismic, you can see where the, the hard uh, impedances are. And that's, you know, those are the differences that set the rock types off. So when you make the doctor geophysicist a combination between a, an x-ray and a seismic section, they, they, they picked that up instantly because, you know, most kids know what an x-ray is and, and typically how it's, uh, how it's generated. You mentioned geophysicists solve problems. So what types of problems do they solve? It's like... We, we solve technical challenges, right? What we like to do is acquire the best data in the field and then determine what processing parameters uh, we use to pull the best signal out of the data. So that's, that's a problem and that's a challenge. So we design our wave tests in the field and our processing flows. Then um, you have to present your plans and solutions to other teams and boards of approval, right? So your challenge is, you know, they give you an area, they want you to interpret that. So you got to figure out, you know, the best acquisition to get in there and how to pull the best data out uh, through the acquisition and then through the processing. So the, the challenge is getting the best image in the area in which you are working. So that's kind of what we do. And then you got to work with the geologists um, to tie it into possibly, hopefully existing wells. So that those are some of the challenges, right? Um, you're given an area and then you got to figure out how to make it look good on seismic. Outside of, of money and maybe money isn't the answer, is there something else that excites the students the most when you're talking in front of them where you just see their eyes light up when you mention X? Oh, um, to a degree, they, they like the different tools that you can work with right now. And a lot of kids, you know, they're all into the computers. And uh, back, I'll use the landmark experience again, um, up on the 20th floor, we had one of the very first landmark workstations and it had optical disks and drives and this, you know, this is it's very old stuff. And then you, you pull out your cell phone, right? And you, you show that to them and say, this cell phone is, has more memory and can do more things than that big box, that big console that you're looking at. 
So that kind of gets them into the, the technical aspect of it. And knowing that they, you know, have in their hands, you know, more power than things that we used to work with, like, you know, 20 and even 30 years ago, um, that fascinates them and lets them know that they can possibly have the technology um, merits to actually do what we do. So it's not unattainable. Like when you talk about kids about being doctors, it's like, oh, you got to go do all this and go do all this education and, you know, medical school and, and do all this other stuff. But the kids can understand that it's like, okay, you know, I, I can take math and science and I could be a geophysicist. I could be a geologist. So the connection is quick uh, to them. They don't need to go to school for years and years and years and years um, to do and to break into the industry. You know, you can get a four-year degree and maybe a master's degree and uh, then you're in. What uh, could you just, you know, maybe one possible path, you know, what could a, a possible career for a geophysicist look like? It's, it's good to get a breath of knowledge, a depth and a breadth of, of general knowledge, right? But back in the past, people were like acquisition. They spent most of their time in the field um, acquiring the data. A lot of times people went you know, strictly into processing, right? How to do processing. And then, you know, the third triumvirate um, would be the interpretation. So those are kind of like the three main branches of, of the pure science part of, of geophysics. So it's good to have a handle on all of that, but you can specialize in certain things. Like when I first started out, I was acquisition, uh, cold weather acquisition in the field. I spent a lot of time out in the field. I, I've done um, seismic acquisition in the Antarctic uh, field seasons. I, I was down there six weeks living in a tent for um, two field seasons. Um, that got me into uh, a major to shoot seismic in Michigan in the wintertime. So, and that was acquisition. And then once that kind of, kind of led its course, they said, okay, let's see how the processing is. Let's process your own, your acquisition. And that got very exciting. You can pull things out. And then people were giving me things um, that was very, were very difficult acquisition wise. Um, and then I developed processing flows to highlight, you know, the things that they're trying to see. And then you get into the interpretation phase of it. So you, you try to do all three of them um, well, but you might want to specialize in maybe one or, or, or two of those different uh, triumvirate technologies. I would imagine when when students are first thinking or learning about the oil and gas industry, you know, the big companies will come to mind. Are there a lot of other possibilities for a career outside of going to a big company if, if they don't want to go that route? Definitely. Yes, uh, quite definitely. You, you get a lot of good, at, at the big companies, you get a lot of good training. You're exposed to a lot of people who've been doing um, that for a long time. There's a lot of um, gray hairs, right, in that. So you get um, a good chance to get mentored by someone who's been there, done that, you know, like 10 times. Um, that's all well and good. You know, majors are, are very good. They, they have their place. Mid sizes are also good where you have to be uh, a little bit more nimble to pick things up and stuff up. But there's also the, um, the smaller independence where you may not have, you know, the plethora of a number of people to mentor. You might just have one person to help you out or maybe even none. So you can come into the smaller companies too and just make an impact. It, and it depends on your, your kind of DNA. Do you, you like to be a one person in a large company or do you like to be one person in a smaller company? 
So um, it's up to the kids nowadays. And a lot of them, um, they want to be, you know, they don't mind being in a smaller company, right? And they want to learn and contribute. And they want to be the one who, who teaches themselves how to, how to do things, right? They, they really don't really need a mentor or want one. Then there's a lot of kids who would prefer coming in kind of soft into a large company and having all of this stuff available to them, the mentors, tools, um, the ability to work in a number of different plays rather than maybe uh, a mid-sized or small company will just have one play that they're working in. So it depends on the kid or it depends on the you know person coming out of school, what they want. What type of technology or, or knowledge has come from the geophysics field that people may not be familiar with in everyday life that they that came from this particular branch of science? That's an excellent question. And I got a uh, I've got Dean's interpretation of that question here. The basic answer is advanced seismic imaging capability. Right. Back in the 90s, right, we were working with high-end SGI, Silicon Graphics International, and Sun, Sun Microsystem um, boxes or machines or computers. I like to call them boxes. I remember I got some of the, I got one of the first SGI octanes in one of the first Sun Blade boxes when I did my work. And uh, our industry, the seismic industry, we were pushing SGI and Sun to build better and faster graphics cards for seismic imaging, and they responded. Now, the movie industry, the CGI people, computer graphics folks, they were producing more and more movies like Shrek and Toy Story, which Toy Story uh, was the first computer animated feature which used Sun servers. So we kind of helped push um, Sun and SGI to help that industry, the movie industry, so the movie industry uses similar technology to make movies faster, better, and cheaper, especially animated features like Shrek and Toy Story. So you could say that geophysicists helped Buzz Lightyear go to infinity and beyond, right? What is your favorite thing about this field? You know what? It, it, it's a simple answer. It's just fun, right? You know, the people, the cutting edge science, the travel, the money isn't, you know, isn't bad. But the instant you discover new things, right, new technology, or when you get like new information about a well that validates your interpretation and hypotheses, they're, they're just great and exciting moments. And I, you know, we try to string those together, but that's what I like about the field. Every day you, you come in, you know, there'll be something new. There'll be a new challenge or there'll be a new program or, you know, the, the seismic is validated by the well, right? Or your geologist says, oh, no, this is this is it. You know, this is what we're looking for. That's always fun. That's, that's my favorite thing about it. It's never boring. It really isn't. It's really never boring. What types of problems do you think the next generation of geophysicists are going to solve? Hmm. Okay. Uh, there's a new buzz out there. And it's called you know, machine learning or uh, predictive analytics, whatever flavoring you want to place on that. Uh, the next gen kids, I think they're going to need to balance machine learning with their own innate technical skills, right? There's going to have to be a balance there. And I think this is very exciting. This is a very exciting phase, which I hope leads to better models and better decisions. So that's one kind of the biggest problem. I think that these kids are going to have to deal with, you know, all this new technology is coming 
you know, machine does everything for you. Well, you need some human interaction in there. And I think the balance needs to be struck. And I think these kids are going to have to find that balance. They're going to have to strike that balance. What role does an organization like the Society of Exploration Geophysicists have for the development of future geophysicists? Well, there's a, there's a plethora of tools and uh, programs out there uh, to help kids that the SEG has. For instance, um, the Evolve program, where a number of universities get together and we provide them with data. The competency management system where they can monitor and see what different uh, competencies they might need to go into certain partition of geophysics. Uh, the various classes that the SEG has, the committees, uh, the convention. It's always fun. The workshops, the digital library, the career center, you know, the women's network, uh, the college SCG chapters. I mean, lectures, early career. You just go out to the website and there's a plethora of things for these kids to do. The different uh, workshops, right, and the digital library, they, they have all this data and information available to them at their fingertips. I, I use that almost on a daily basis in what I do, right? There's a new paper out there. You get research and see how things are done. The Career Center, you know, if these kids are coming right out of school, that could help them out. But uh, there's, there's so many things um, that these kids can do through the SCG. But just take a look at the website and pull down some of those tabs on the top right side. And there's all kinds of things that can help out through the SCG. Is there any final remarks you'd like to leave for someone, uh, a student hearing about geophysics for the first time to give them a little nudge to, to keep looking at it? Oh, just just follow your passion. It's just like me. It, it captured me, right? I, I did the physics part, and then I went into some geology classes, and it just opened my eyes. I went on some field trips. Um, look at the rocks. Go to see the field cuts, right? That's, that's what it's all about. Just get involved. If, you're, if you like a certain aspect of it, research it a little bit more. You know, get into it. Maybe do a paper on it. Maybe, uh, um, maybe a thesis and that, and maybe possibly even a dissertation. But just get involved and just follow your passion. If you like something in particular, like if you like seismic attributes or um, certain uh, acquisition things or processing, just follow that because there, there's, there's all kinds of niches. Just find your own niche and you'll be happy there, right? Just you determine where your, your process goes. You know, ask your mentors, have them help you, but you decide kind of where you want to go. At seg.org slash podcast, you will find the complete show notes for this episode. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe for free to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcasts to be the first to know about new episodes. Seismic Sound Off is sponsored by the SEG Wiki, the place to find hundreds of biographies of geoscientists, open access tutorials, and ongoing translations of SEG's best-selling book, Robert Sheriff's Encyclopedic Dictionary. Type wiki.seg.org into your browser to visit the world's first online geophysics encyclopedia. Original music by Zach Bridges. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Andrew Gary. The SEG podcast team is Jennifer Crockett, Ashley Rodriguez, Ali McGinnis, and Mick Sweeney. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.